the Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 67. The Windsors. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And we're joined tonight by... Paul Isles Rush. Welcome aboard, mate. Now, tonight we're going to be discussing a Channel 4 series called The Windsors. Wills and Kate, most popular royals ever. This is getting out of hand. The line's very clear. First me, then William, but me first. The only six fools stand in the way of the Parker Bowles dynasty. Why didn't you tell me you had Ebola? It hadn't been confirmed. But it's Ebola, Kate! Ebola! Incoming! Have I been very sick? Just got recognised. They thought I was Mick Hucknall, but... Ines, close enough. We've outgrown our usefulness like nipples on men. I'm as important as a nipple on a woman. This could turn into a full-blown constitutional cross-off. For those of you that aren't familiar, it's a sort of soap opera set around the royal family. The storylines are all false, but they are based on real-life events. It's been running since, I think, about 2015, 2016. Three series in and a few specials. Simon, this is usually where you give a better approximation than I do. Well, why don't we get housekeeping out of the way first and then come back and talk about things in in a bit more detail. So obviously the first bit of housekeeping we have to do is the tonic screwdriver. Tonight we are on Whitley Neal, Brazilian lime gin, and the info bollocks are remarkably scant. It's a 43% gin. The zest of sun-drenched aromatic limes creates a refreshing and invigorating delicious gin. Right, well, first and foremost, let's dive in with the aroma. Which is very limey. It is limey. Definite lime, yes. But eyes down, dive in. It's nice. It tastes like a nice gin with a slice of lime in it, to be honest. And you could do that with any bottle of gin and a slice of lime. But I quite like lime in gin and tonic, so... I was expecting it to be much sharper in terms of lime than it is. It's actually quite... I won't say sweet, but it's not as bitter as I was expecting. Perhaps that's because it's Brazilian lime. What, has it been waxed? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I quite like that. I was expecting not to like it. Lime is not a flavour that I I gravitate towards. But that's all right, actually. I I like it. It, It's nice. It's got a a gin tingle to it. It's got a a nice flavour of lime about it. I don't think it's wildly exciting, but it's very nice. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a nice gin, and if you like a slice of lime in your gin, then what's not to like? Yeah, I like it, but it's nothing wildly exciting. In terms of how it's made, I think it's a very smooth gin. It's as well-crafted mm. as you would expect any of the other Whitley Neals to be. Would I go for it again? It's probably not what I'd gravitate towards, but I think that's more my personal taste. I'll give it a four. It's a well-made gin. It's just not my particular go-to flavour, but it is a good gin. I, I think it's worthy of a four. I I do keep a bottle of this in for if I fancy a taste of lime, and I generally don't have fresh lime in. So I agree. Nice, nicely made, smooth and limey. Uh, I'd give it a four as well. There are much better gins that have come out of the Whitley Neal stable. With that, we will take our glasses and descend into the bowels of Podcasting House for the Black Archive. <laughs> So, here we are in the under-gallery at Podcasting House. Simon, what's your choice to pull out of the Black Archive? Well, 
In keeping with the show that we've watched, and it actually gets referenced in the show that we watch, I would like to bring back all the missing episodes of It's a Knockout. Ah. It started 1966, I think, um, and there are missing episodes right the way through till 1980. There are a couple of episodes that are missing from 1980. Prior to that, the last um, missing one is 1974, where there's quite a lot missing between 66 and 74. I would really love to see some uh, some of the old It's Knockouts, and I'd really like to see It's a Royal Knockout. I've had a look on YouTube, and you can see clips of it. Or there's the whole thing, but it seems to be silent, which would, would lose the fun somewhat. So does It's a Royal Knockout not exist? Yeah, it does. Oh, right. But I would like it to be commercially available. So it, it's not so much the Black Archive as the Black Archive gift shop. Well, my Black Archive pick, in line with the theme, isn't actually missing. i just very much like to see Royal Family, which we have discussed before, but it was the documentary made uh, in the 1960s at the behest of Prince Philip, and it's never been shown since 1970. So it's not missing, but I just out of interest would like to see it. So we, we've both been sidelined into the gift shop to buy some Royal Tat. So, here we are, back in the viewing room. It's time for The Windsors, and we may as well start with Series 1, Episode 1, Run VT. Someone was asking me today if, by some miracle, we had a child, where it would stand in the line of succession. And I had no idea. It's a bit unlike you, isn't it, darling? You haven't had a period since Wham split up. <laughs> <laughs> you are funny, yes, but hypothetically. Well, it'd be me, William, George, Charlotte, Harry, and then whatever homunculus came out of you. So only six fools stand in the way of the Parker Bowles dynasty. Right, well, that was the first episode. I've been quite a fan of The Windsors. I discovered it purely by accident on Netflix earlier this year, and I binge-watched the whole lot. And they're basically, like I said, they're a soap opera about the royal family. Hideously overblown caricature characters, but it's hilarious. In the first episode, there's a few things going on. Camilla has decided that she's a little bit miffed that the new crop of royals are going to eclipse the older royals in terms of popularity and starts looking at fertility treatment so she can bypass the royal lineage and have a baby at the age of 69. In the meantime, Prince William is fighting to become a helicopter pilot again, having realised that he wants to actually do a real job instead of just waving at people. Prince Harry is portrayed as a, an illiterate, womanising clubber. And Pippa Middleton's in it, who basically spends the whole episode trying to get money out of people because of her fantastic arse. It's a very simple precy, but that sort of introduces you to the rest of the series. Guys, what did you two think? Paul, you've not seen too many of them. Simon, I know you've seen half a dozen or so. What I've think? seen all of the, the first two series. Once we discovered it, we, we binged quite a lot. <laughs> I know it's billed as a, as a soap opera. I think this comes across as a much more of a pantomime. I'd agree with that, yes. It's a soap opera in the way that soap was a soap opera. Yeah, it's, it's very over the top, even if it wasn't based on or real people, if it wasn't based on the royal family, if they were just supposed to be a normal family. It's ridiculously over the top. <laughs> I mean, if this wasn't based on the royal family, it would be nothing. The, the only way you could have this kind of level of caricature is if it's actual people that, that you're taking the piss out of. And they, they do it in some really interesting ways. So Charles is basically Charles. He's an overblown easy, buffoon. Easy, easy. <laughs> 
Out of, out of the three of us, I suspect I'm the only one who's actually met him. My impression of him was that he was a drooling fuckwit. Oh, the future king of England, sir. Yes, the, and we'll, bring, we'll herald the end of the monarchy. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, bite your lip, bite your lip. <laughs> he's probably the most true to life of any of them, and he's played brilliantly by Harry Enfield. Uh, Camilla is bright and capable and scheming, so I suspect in real life only one of those is true. I couldn't possibly comment on them personally. <laughs> uh, my, uh, I've crossed paths with the Queen and Prince Philip. The rest of the royals I have not. The only other one that I've met is Anne. Who came across as perfectly pleasant and not doing what you expect them to do when they're opening something and have to talk to the commoners? Paul, have you been exposed? No, I don't think I've met a royal at all. This time? No, yeah, not, not yet. Not yet. And the, the other slightly royal connection I have is that one of my sort of cousin's ex-husband used to uh, used to work on the royal yacht and didn't really say very much about the royals there, but did let a few things slip when he was absolutely tanked up at his wife's funeral. And the staff on the royal yacht have their own bar, which Princess Margaret used to uh, prefer going to than the, the royal bars because she could let her hair down and have a bit of fun. And that was all before his time. But apparently she w- she joined in and would sort of chatter away and, and get drinks for everybody. And she was Maggie below stairs. And The other one that used to do that was apparently Prince Andrew, who used to treat it as his own private bar and still expect to be waited on and still expect to be called your royal highness and and all of that so basically what he did was took one of the very few private areas that they the staff had where they could get away from their job and took it away from them could we just drop the word allegedly in here uh, <clears throat> so anyway dragging it back to the windsors paul what did you think cuz i know that you've you've only really just seen them yeah i I was expecting it to be a bit silly and just, you know, one of those that you maybe just smirk your way through. But it was genuinely funny pretty much all the way through. The situations like Beatrice and Eugenie apparently being radicalised as, as, as terrorists when it was in fact someone just trying to sell them a holiday and uh, Sarah Ferguson trying to break it, trying to gate crash the ball. The situations were just silly, but the performances in it were so good. You knew who they were. Yeah. Kate, I thought, was a little bit flat. Mm. But she and Will are supposed to be the the dull ones, so that was probably quite deliberate. Um, and, and she's portrayed as... Uh, as a, as a, a gypsy. gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously she's the commoner. Edward, I think, could have been more theatrical. I think they had a very good cast. I think there are a, a couple of characters that are, are crying out for somebody else to play them. Now, Camilla is played brilliantly by Hayden Gwynn. I have not seen her in anything since Drop the Dead Donkey, but she's absolutely brilliant in this. However, in my head, whenever I was watching this, Camilla was being played by Lily Savage. <laughs> <laughs> and that would have been brilliant and that would have fit in with the pantomime thing and i think edward i think I'm, i know where you're going to go with edward he doesn't really look like prince edward so you have to sort of stretch your imagination with that one all the others you can sort of see he's called uncle edward all the way through but if they didn't call him uncle edward you, you wouldn't, wouldn't know, know. yeah no. You see, I I think they'd have done a, a lot better with Julian Clary in that role. I think he'd have been brilliant. And what are you trying to say? Acknowledge all the rumours that have been going going around about Prince Edward for a number of years. Thinking about Beatrice and Eugenie, who are pretty forgettable in real life, but they are, are quite. They get some some really good stuff to do in this. Uh, have you got as far as the Christmas episode with the Christmas song? Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, because their Christmas song is brilliant. 
Christmas joy. Pretending to be British, trade and boy. You clogged up loads of our miles. Used to hang around with a pedophile Christmas. Daddy, please come home for Christmas. There's rumours sundering on this Christmas. Who's better with you? We miss your childish humour and the unsupported rumours at Christmas. Daddy, buy us stuff for Christmas. Or even just some cash for Christmas. Bring us festive cheers. You have no idea what she's costing. played gosh that was Christmassy the whole thing I mean particularly when up to now Paul you've not seen any with Princess Anne in no <laughs> whenever she appears she's this very haughty horse-faced late middle-aged woman that whenever she walks into a room the air freezes and everybody's <laughs> breath starts misting all she's trying to do is save money she never has the heating on <laughs> Christmas dinner, um, Kate wants to do Christmas dinner in one episode and she's horrified that she wants to actually use the oven. Yeah, and they they have a, a specific Christmas menu that that she has to cook, um, which ties in with their the German heritage and uh, <laughs> they sing a, a Windsor traditional Christmas song, which is all in German. <laughs> and I think is really well done. She's played by Vicky Pepperdine, who you, you don't see in an awful lot of stuff, but when you when you do it, something really good. Uh, she's in is it getting on the joe brand kim wilde thing i've got to be honest i don't remember seeing her in anything else she looks very different in the winters you know am i assuming that she's got false teeth in (laughs) yes it's the queen in it at all the queen and prince philip never appear um they just say they just send filthy telegrams Yeah, in the episode we just watched, Prince Philip has been writing notes to William and Kate, hasn't he, about, about their uh, about gypsy behaviour. Oh, yeah, and about Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is probably based on real life. <laughs> in season two, you get Meghan Markle in as well, so it's all a little bit topical. Who is played, just before we go on to what I know is inevitable, Meghan Markle is played by the actress whose name I can't remember. She was in <laughs> Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps. Sheridan Smith. The not Sheridan Smith one. Natalie Casey. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but she, I, she was the only one I had trouble, even more so than, than Prince Edward. I couldn't really see her as Meghan Markle. But she does play a very good part. She's very good at it. And the lines that she's given <laughs> refer everything back in real life, back to her role in suits. <laughs> I mean, I think part of the problem is that... Real life, Megan, you're always used to seeing um, glamorous and dressed up and the, the version in the Windsors was um, just dressed in sportswear all the time. Go on, you're itching to. I'll let you uh, unleash the Oprah Winfrey interview. Oh, no, no, we're going to come on to that later because we haven't finished talking about the Windsors yet. <laughs> once, well, once I start on that, there will be no stopping. <laughs> But I thought it was a really entertaining series. Um, I thought they were great caricatures. I loved the way that they take the piss out of William's fuckwitted decision to steal somebody else's job and go into helicopter piloting. Um, you and I have very, very different opinions on this. I am a monarchist. You are, but well, possibly you've hinted that you might not be, gently. 
No, Republican through and through, and I think they're all parasites. Yes, whereas I think that they do the country as a whole a lot of good around the world. And I think that's a load of bollocks. Paul, devil's advocate here, what do you think? I'm on your side, Ken, on this. Yeah. For the pittance that they cost us each per year, they give us a standing around the world that no other country has, and... At least a thousand. You're fucking years joking! The laughing stock. Have you have you ever talked to anybody who isn't from this country about the royal family? Yes, because it's it's point and laugh from everybody that I've ever talked to. Not from the people that I've talked to. Italy, um, Germany. I've uh, French. It's. I've spoken to several nationalities about it, and it's never well, I don't been think derogatory. I, I don't. I don't think I'd go quite as far as the French did with their royal family, but. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, see, you would stop short of the whole guillotine thing. Well, yes. Following the the, the Dutch model, where... I knew you were so liberal, Dr. Exton. Paid-up member of the Liberal Party. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a clue in there somewhere. No, they cost us a fuck ton of money and don't actually deliver anything. And I don't, I don't care that it's pence per person per year because there's, there's a fuck ton of us. So um, it ends up with a large amount of money, which the company, which the country could. God, that was a Freudian the company. Tip. Yes, um, the, but the United it is the way Kingdom it's going. Company Incorporated. Yes, cuddly, cuddly, cuddly Uncle Boris's assets, asset stripping are us. <laughs> Um, yes. Where, where was I? Because ranting about the government is is something ent- entirely different. We can get onto that later. Although I, I suspect we'll be more singing from the same hymn sheet. We have no. several Brexit specials to assassinate the government. Back to the Windsors, though. Back, back to the Windsors. You see, this is my sort of humour, and it's very much from the sort of spitting image stable where you take real-life characters and invent scenarios and plots and caricature them, and that's what spitting image has always done better than anyone else and this is sort of a live action spitting image about the royals i really really like it i'm i'm fond of this even as a royalist yeah i thought i thought it was it was brilliant as i say there there are a couple of little casting changes i'd make although camilla is played absolutely brilliantly it's just in my head she's lily savage but then in my head camilla looks like a drag queen anyway and not a good one (laughs) paul feeling his thoughts (laughs) It just made made me laugh. And it, it's like you say, they're not in situations that they would be in real life. But then you can imagine this it would be really funny if they were. And like when where Camilla turns up in the north with a car boot full of chip butties for everyone and starts dancing to Ilkley Moor Bartat. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It, but it was so, so funny. And yes, the the lady who plays Camilla was really good at it. But that's another case in point. Now, I'm at the minute, satire that we have, I'm not overly fond of because it tends to laugh at people who don't have the right opinion rather than with people at a, a situation or a policy or a decision that's been made for the country as a whole. I'm not fond of that. Whenever the North is portrayed... It's always flat cats and whippets. <laughs> and sometimes it's done in a more laughing at way than laughing with. This was done very much in a laughing with way. Yeah. Yeah, it's impossible not to find that. Was <laughs> <laughs> she getting a tattoo on her arm? <laughs> I did like the way that they they had all the, the old kings of England turning up as, as almost sort of ghostly voices in William's head. Oh, that was good, yeah. I, I don't think they turn up to anybody else, do they? It's only William. Elizabeth the first turned up to Kate when she was when she had Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, she did. 
Which is a sentence I never thought I'd say. <laughs> it's Alfred in the first episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's Alfred and, the Great, yeah. And that isn't great, but when they come on to... James the First. Ja- James the First is great. Henry the Eighth is great. Richard the Third, George the Third was fantastic. Mm. Oh, and Edward VIII. Oh, was he? I must have missed that one. Oh, God, yeah. And he goes on about visiting Hitler in South America in the 60s. Because <laughs> you do, uh, you might have an opinion on the Oprah Winfrey interview, Dr. Exton. I haven't actually seen it. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't think anybody's I, seen it all the way through. I, I, I've, I've, I've seen enough clips of it to, to know that I'm very fairly and squarely on Harry and Meghan's side. I have no difficulty whatsoever believing that she was badly treated by the royal family because realistically, any of the female not we they've introduced, they've brought into the family haven't had a good time of it. Diana was treated badly. Fergie was treated badly. Kate seems to be staying sensibly in the background and Megan was treated badly. And I was actually very disappointed when she married into the royal family because I thought it had the opportunity to to modernise things, to bring the, bring things uh, more up to date, make it make the royal family seem more interesting and relevant. And they could have done that. They 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 could have said we've got somebody who is different to any of the rest of us, and we will embrace that and we will celebrate diversity. And did they fuck? I mean, you, you wouldn't really expect them to anyway. So I I have no problem whatsoever believing that um, the things, particularly in in terms of asking how how dark her baby is going to be. I'm not diametrically opposed, but Paul, what's your opinion? I agree with Simon. I don't think. It just wouldn't make sense for them to make it up. And the track record of the treatment of people who don't automatically slot in. Kate, for example, has just done as she's told. And so she's the perfect daughter-in-law, the perfect future queen. Diana, Sarah Ferguson, and obviously Meghan didn't do that. And to make things worse, Meghan was also mixed race and divorced. And, and American. Yeah, American, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she just never stood a chance. I mean, the the press over here had their part to play in it, but I definitely agree that there was people within the royal family, and whether that was actually members of the royal family or the people who drive them, the advisors and the people who actually make the decisions, there was something in there. She had no choice but to get out. And I really admire Harry for saying no, you know, rather than what's happened in the past and dumping them, actually sticking sticking with his wife and child and going with them. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this reflects very well on Harry because he's seen that um, his wife is miserable where she was and he has moved to to accommodate her and seems to be to be doing quite uh, quite well I mean they, as I understand it they they got a, a fairly substantial fee for appearing on the on Oprah Winfrey and why not because the income that he would have been brought up to be used to has just been pulled away from it because he's disagreed with the Ubermensch. Well, sort of. Um, I'm a little bit less sympathetic, but it's not... Colour me surprised. Well, no, but none of us were there. We don't know what's gone on. The only beef that I've got with that interview, or elements of it, is somebody said something. We're not going to tell you who it is. This is the gist of it. You make your own mind up. (laughs) So you've pointed the finger, and we see this in politics so much, pointed the finger, nobody's accountable, you can't disprove it, but you're guilty anyway. There's no way out of it. That I, is the sort of finger pointing that I despise. Now, if they turn around and said, you know, 
I don't know, Prince Andrew, Prince, uh, Prince Charles, whoever had said, how dark's the baby going to be? You've got a definite point of the finger there. They have got to be accountable and say, well, that's a fairly serious accusation. Where and when did this happen? And then it's up to them to disprove that they didn't say it. And and becomes a, a tit for tat, he said, she said, um, with the, the British press getting behind the royal family because, of course, they will, and the American press getting behind Meghan because, of course, they will, and it escalates it into a, a much, much bigger deal. Unfortunately, at this point, Paul has to leave us as fatherly duties are taking <laughs> over. It's bedtime. Thank you for joining us, Paul. Thank you for having me. I'm yeah, sure you'll nice be on board you. again soon. I'll try my best. Right, where are we up to? No, you, you're quite right. You do get into tit for tat. But I can fully believe that she didn't get the support within the palace that she asked for. I don't know. I can neither prove nor disprove she felt suicidal. I've no reason to believe that she didn't. But I wasn't there. There was just a lot of stuff that was said. The finger was pointed, but not pointed. And there is literally no way out of it for the royal family. Whatever they say in response, ah, well, of course you were going to say that. Well, we know that you are now. And there's no way out of it. And that sort of accusation, whoever it is, I've got a real problem with. To be honest, had they put a name to it, it would be exactly the same situation because it would be he said, she said, and people who are going to side with the royal family will believe the royal family. People who are going to side with Meghan and Harry will believe Meghan and Harry. I can easily believe that uh, a senior senior royal said that, and he, they very specifically said it wasn't the, the Queen, Queen or, or, Prince Philip. Or, or Prince Philip, because he's the one that you would expect to have to have said that. <laughs> so um, I think it's very telling that after all, all this time since the interview. Uh, William is still saying he hasn't talked to Harry yet, but he will do when the time is right. So say it was Prince Charles who allegedly said this and Harry were to name his father in that interview. That drives a massive wedge between them that isn't there now and doesn't actually alter the fact that Meghan is accurately, may or may not be accurately reporting what was said. But I, I think the right thing to do was not to name, because ultimately, in terms of denial from the palace and, oh, yes, we're, we're, we're treating this with the seriousness it deserves, which probably means that they're laughing about it over a gin. I don't think it makes any real difference whether they name the person or not in terms of palace deniability it would do in terms of damage damage to the relationship between harry and whoever it is that said it and if it was his father or his brother he probably doesn't want to do that i mean looking at the the situation as a whole Meghan markle might not have known what she was getting into fully when she married a prince of england but yeah. there are other things that really should have been more apparent that you're not this is just not another celebrity wedding this is to the british royal family and that's a major thing when there's an event around the world it's a major thing so to say things like, we actually got married three days before the royal wedding. Well, no, you didn't. You might have exchanged vows with the Archbishop of Canterbury, but you didn't get married. Uh, why is Archie not a prince? Well, rules laid down many, many years ago, dec almost over 100 years ago, state that he would never have been a prince without royal decree or intervention from the Queen. And since they're not realistically in line for the throne, unless there's a, a catalogue of disasters, 
they wouldn't be princes. They wouldn't have royal protection in any way that any other sort of... And they're, they're reasonably junior members of the royal family. They wouldn't either. So it's playing the... You uh, mean like Princess Eugenie and Princess Beatrice? Uh, well, I don't why, know the reason. Why, why are they princesses when they're the, the kids of the second in line? I honestly don't know. Um, I've not looked into it deeply enough. But all I know is that the Archie was not in line to be a prince under normal circumstances. But I just think there's a, there's a little bit of... Um, the other, I mean, the other thing, and it's the, the elephant in the room, everything that is said against Meghan Markle, or the Duchess of Sussex, well, it must be racism. Well, with the best will in the world, she's not... Um, it, it doesn't immediately smack you in the face that she is of a different race or, or background or heritage. And I've yet to see anything that has been printed. Bear in mind, I don't read the tabloids, I don't read the broadsheets for that matter. But I've yet to see anything that has been specifically about her being either mixed race or a different heritage. And I, I'm not entirely sure she got that rough a ride. Because as far as I can see, all the headlines well, I, I've ever seen about her were actually quite, this is a big event, we want to know all about it. But then you've got on the other side of the point, we're running away, we can't stand the pressure, we can't stand the intrusion, we can't stand the media scrutiny. They've not been off the fucking box for about three months. Every single day is a press release. Okay, uh, I mean, a, a couple of things about that. Firstly, okay, may, you don't read tabloids, neither do I, but actually look up some of the things that the the Mail and the Express have printed about her. They're they're very very partisan. Um, I, I remember the thing about avocados and Meghan Markle. You should stop calling her Meghan Markle because that's not her surname it's not, anymore. No, it's not. Um, but her favourite breakfast thing was avocado on toast, and one of the tabloids ran this massive thing about how. Her love of avocados is fueling exploitation in third world countries. And then about two months later, when Kate said she'd quite liked avocados on toast, it was Kate discovers this new wonder food um, and all the health benefits for it. It, it, There isn't any doubt she's been badly treated by by our press. Um, I can't deny it because I've not seen it, so I don't know. And anything that's got Daily Mail presaged, you can fuck all the way off. The Daily Mail is the lowest of the low. Daily Express, not far behind. They are vile rags. Yeah, they are, and they did print vile stories about her. As for not really knowing what she was getting herself in for, all she needed to do was read the biography of her soon-to-be husband's mother, and she would have got an, an inkling what, what was going on. So I doubt she went into it with her eyes closed. The only trouble that I've got... I mean, the, the one person I feel for in this... Or sort of feel for, or very much hope that he's not made a colossal mistake, is Prince Harry. Because uh, he's given up so much to be with this woman in California. And I do not doubt that he loves the woman. I just hope that it stays the course. And he's not left with, years down the line, um, an acrimonious divorce, which leaves him with absolutely nothing. He's left with no role, no life, no nothing, where he's given up. And he was, like you were saying earlier, this modern, progressive, ambassadorial role around the world that could really have done some good. I was very positive about uh, about Harry and Meghan around the world. I thought that that is exactly the sort of progressive royal we need for the 21st century around the world, very proactive, very hands-on, very sort of connected with the modern world. And we've lost 
two of them. I thought that could have been much better. So, again, I don't know the ins and outs. I wasn't there. I've not witnessed anything firsthand. Whatever's going on behind closed doors, we'll never accurately know. But I think it's more of a loss for him, what he's given up and what he potentially could come out with if things go wrong, than it will be for her. I mean, he's following in his great uncle's footsteps, isn't he? He is, yes. I mean, not not down the fascist line, but... Although there was the Nazi uniform thing. uh, Yeah, uh, we've we've all worn stupid fancy dress costumes. Correct. Actually, if he'd gone down the fascist route, the Daily Mail would probably have uh, loved him for it because they were... <laughs> well, yeah, I despise the Daily Mail with a passion and everybody they, they involved were, with it. They were very, very, very pro-Mosley. Yes. Skipping forward a few decades. <laughs> Things haven't really changed very much, I don't think. <laughs> The Daily Mail is awful, so it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that Duchess of Sussex came in for, for that. But then again, we get on to the, the whole royal titles and privileges and, oh, we've been cut off with no money. That is one bit where my sympathy just cannot cope with it, because you can't resign from a job, say, we, we just want to step back as royal, we, we don't want anything to do. Well, beyond the top levels of the royal family, and it is the very top levels, get um, an income off the state. But it's not many of them. So if you step back and you're not in that very top tier of royals, there's no other job that you would resign for and keep getting paid or keep getting supported. I have to be honest, I agree with you on that. And, you know, he's got, what, 10 million quid that was left to him by his mother and she's independently wealthy because of her acting career. So I don't think they're, they're short of a bob or two. And, yeah, they presumably have to pay protection as does any other very rich person. Yes. So the financial bit of it, I, I wasn't particularly sympathetic about because even without the, the support of the royal family, they're still a fuck site wealthier than I will ever be or the majority of people will ever be. Yes. So getting on to them two in the Windsors, what do you, I mean, what do you think of the Harry and Meghan portrayal in the Windsors? Because I thought they were pretty bloody good. They might not be accurate, but they were interesting characters. They were very funny. I mean, Harry was quite two-dimensional. But then all of the characters were, were fairly two-dimensional. It, it was a very pantomime thing. I haven't seen series three, but I'm, I'm hoping that there's one of their Alexis and Crystal star, style bitch fights between <laughs> Megan and somebody. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, because I've only seen it on Netflix. I've only seen the first two series and all the specials. But it was a Channel 4 thing, so I'm just wondering whether it's on all four or something. And I've not gone looking, but I, I really must because there was a three-year gap between Series 2 and Series 3. The last series was made in 2020. I'm really hoping they carry this on. It's just wonderful stuff. This is exactly the sort of thing that I find just easy watching. They're only sort of 20, 23 minutes long. Mm. They're not the bite-sized lunchtime viewing when you're working from home. This is something they have the potential with to run and run. Uh. I, I suspect there'll be a law of diminishing returns because, you know, Harry and Meghan leave. Who else is there left that's actually interesting? Yeah, but they might leave, but all you do is set scenes in California. The past few weeks, this stuff writes itself. It's comedy gold. So the fact that they're yeah, not still in the country six, doesn't mean... Uh, yeah, but six months' time, um, once... Everybody has forgotten about all the fuss with, with Harry and Meghan and they're off sorting off their own lives, ignoring the, the pettiness of, their, of his family. Then who do you have left? You have Will and Kate, who are deliberately written as dull, although I think it's great that they're taking the piss out of his helicopter dilettanting. <laughs> I always had quite a lot of time for Will, William up until the point where he decided to take somebody else's job. Rebuttal? 
I would not have their job. I've said this before. I would not have their job because you're left with this ambassadorial role that you have got from the moment you're born to the moment you die. You can't get out of it unless you emigrate to America with, well, usually an American wife. But there's a lot more to life than waving and opening fates and things. Yeah. And, and I have to be honest, I I did like the fact that Will tried to be a bit more normal and get a job. I just intensely disliked the job that he chose to get. And the reason for that is that as somebody who's gone through that training, he will know that air ambulance pilot is about the only job that they're trained to do. And those jobs are like gold dust. So you have a lot more people coming back from the armed forces who need those jobs than there are jobs available. For him to know that and knowingly block one of those jobs, I, I thought was awful. That's a fair enough comment. Yeah, um, I've not really yeah, looked at it, it that way. Yeah, Because I, 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 when I, when I was... Uh, I, a, more, a much more junior doctor working in psychiatry. We used to have a used to work with an organisation called Combat Stress, which is specifically set up to help armed forces veterans deal with the psychological problems of coming back and trying to rehabilitate into a normal life. And there are there are huge huge stresses that they have, particularly your, your enlisted men who go in as teenagers. In the army, they never have to think about paying bills. They have their money, but everything is paid for them. Food, accommodation, the whole nine yards. So when they're coming up to leave, I think there's a, about a six or eight week course that they go through to learn how to become a civilian. And military training doesn't train you to do a huge amount, a huge number of civilian jobs. And very specialized training, such as being a, the kind of helicopter piloting that they, they have to do. Really, the only the only job that you you are trained to do is air ambulance pilot, uh, and because all air ambulances are charitably funded, uh, so it, it, it's not an NHS branch that they're, they're charitably funded. Then there aren't a huge number of pilots, and there there are far more qualified and suitable applicants than there are jobs available. And William, having worked and trained with these people, will know that. Whether it's a publicity stunt, whether it's him trying to have a little bit of normality before his life gets taken away from him by the pressures of the crown, whatever he he will still know that he blocked that place for for somebody who really really needed it. And I thought that was a really shitty thing to do. He wouldn't have had a problem getting getting a job doing something else. His uncle set up a business doing what he well, both of his uncles set up businesses doing what it was that they wanted to do. There's nothing to say that he couldn't have used some of his money to set up a helicopter training school actually create some jobs rather than taking it away from somebody and that way when when he'd had enough playing commoner then he would be able to to keep it going as a going concern providing jobs for for people who needed them but in terms of his character in the windsors <laughs> yeah. an interesting one though i i, I just well, like actually, the way exactly the opposite he, he was he was written to be dull and that's kind of the way he came across in the same way as beatrice and eugenie were written to be awful parasites yeah i thought that they would have been some of the ones that appealed to you most there pretty much isn't a, a, a character that didn't appeal in terms of comedy and i thought was brilliantly done yes um edward they could have ramped up the camp a bit and i think that would have been more entertaining but uh, <laughs> as, because realistically in that family you don't need to cast somebody as the family idiot because they all pretty much do it for themselves on balance, would you see more? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've got the third season on, on DVD, so we will be watching that. Oh, they're out on DVD. 
Oh, yeah. well, that, that that might be one to uh, put on the purchase list then. Yeah, the box set of all the episodes, I think it was about a tenner on Amazon or something like that. It, it wasn't massively expensive. Sold. Uh, one thing that leaps out is actually the way that the accents are taking the piss house off. We, we need to do a, a Paula scale, don't we? Professor Quatermass's office, you're speaking. Is it something bad? And I, I think this will break the Paula scale. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is a seven out of five. This is more Paula than Paula. And with Paula, we have the whole nepotism as extra thrown in, which ties in so well with the royal family. You're loving this, aren't you? Flexing your anti-royal muscles. They don't need an awful lot of practice. Expressions like 50-50 are pronounced as fofty-fofty. Fofty-fofty. Um, and Sandringham. You're a jupser. But it's only a couple of them, isn't it? it uh... Well, Prince William certainly... William and and Harry, because uh, Pippa is Papa. Papa. They sort of shift all the vowels to a long. (laughs) Yes. I mean, they they do kind of make Paula Quatermass sound like Irene Handel. (laughs) I don't know the name of the guy that plays Prince William, but he is hilarious. He he plays that spot on. Yeah, I I don't think there's a bad performance in the bunch. Um, As I said, I think Edward is poorly characterised because he's there as the the family idiot in a family of idiots. I had him swishing around in a feather boa. Oh, the gay in you would have loved that. Confirmed all those rumours. I don't think this is being taken as factual. You heard it here second. Well... I think of all the episodes we've done, we might just have been coming from different angles on this one. It does happen periodically, but this one more than most. And we've drifted quite a long way from the television series we were supposed to be discussing. But, on the whole, uh, we have had, in the past couple of weeks, what is going to be a fairly significant television milestone. And there aren't many of them these days, if we're honest. The interview between Harry and Meghan with Oprah Winfrey, I think he's going to be remembered for a long time. Yeah, in the same way as the Diana interview with Martin Bashir. Yes. But on that note, boys and girls, we'll sign us off. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. If not, the pause button is there. But we hope you'll be joining us again for the next episode. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton, Ken Moss and Paul Isles Rush. Title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rishton, Lancashire and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.